Welcome to episode 17 of Crime Stoppers See It, Say It, Stop It, a podcast that brings you informed discussion about unsolved crimes, wanted persons, awareness campaigns, and how citizens can remain anonymous to make their community safer. I'm your host, Sean Sporton. Before we begin today's episode, I want to acknowledge the heartbreaking tragedy that unfolded in Calgary on New Year's Eve. Our deepest condolences go out to the family, friends, and to all our colleagues at the Calgary Police Service for the loss of Sergeant Andrew Harnett, a 12-year veteran of the service. Crime Stoppers Month is celebrated annually during January around the world. So today's episode will cover our official Crime Stoppers Month launch, which will provide a recap of 2020 and what our plans are for 2021. We also had the opportunity to speak to one of the Crime Stoppers originals who helped start the Toronto program and created the foundation of what the program has become today. So with that, let's jump over to that interview. As mentioned at the top, we are joined today by a true historian of Crime Stoppers, an OG, if you will, uh, one of the individuals who helped start the Toronto and Regional Crime Stoppers program and grew the brand over the years. Mr. Cal Miller, how are you? Oh, wonderful, Sean. Great talking to you. Thank you. So, Cal, tell us, uh, our listeners, a little bit about who you are. Um, you have, obviously, an extensive background in, in journalism and media and, and obviously with Crime Stoppers. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself so the uh, listeners get to know who you are. Okay, wonderful. Well, first of all, I'm retired. I've been retired for a long time. I worked at uh, the Toronto Star in uh, Toronto uh, mm-hmm. for years and years covering the uh, crime beat. Had an extensive uh, background uncovering crime news in Toronto and elsewhere. Through the uh, through that avenue, I was uh, introduced to Crime Stoppers. It was okay. a program that had developed in the United States. And mm-hmm. when it came to Hamilton, uh, I went over to talk to them in that city to uh, see what the program was all about. So anyway, when I talked to the police chief in Toronto, he said they were looking into the program. After the story ran and uh, people had an opportunity to uh, find out a little bit what it was about, uh, the chief called and uh, said they were anxious to start the program in Toronto. And would I be interested in sitting on the steering committee? Basically, that's how it occurred. So in 1984, when all this kind of started and and getting the program uh, up and running in the Toronto area, you know, what was the feedback? And I know you said the chief at the time was very eager to get it up and running. And I know, you know, now Gary Grant, the uh, sergeant at the time that was leading the project, was very gung-ho to get it going. But what was the the reaction of the overall concept, if you will, of Crime Stoppers? And, and, and what, you know, maybe what did the police think about it in the community when you uh, and the team were starting to get this going? Yeah. Well, obviously, it was uh, quite a bit of skepticism because... Mm. Uh, it was something brand new, brand new to policing. Um, right. The media were very receptive, which I was surprised at because uh, quite often there's uh, quite a bit of animosity between the media and the police. All the all the uh, radio stations, the TV stations, and the newspapers uh, had interest in it initially. So uh, yeah, we, we got a good reception from the media, but it was mixed reception from the police. And right. the community, um, there were quite a few doubting Thomases around, so it was an mm-hmm. uphill battle to get the program started. So, Cal, what do you what do you think was the the one case, if you will, the the, the catalyst of cases that 
was pro- that proved the concept of Crime Stoppers for those people that were skepticism uh, or had skepticism about it? Well, there were there were several um, right off the bat, and Gary Grant did a, a marvelous job of of selecting mm-hmm. crimes of the week right off the bat. He he got cases that were dramatic. Uh, they would uh, make good television uh, in in that sense. So uh, TV people were uh, receptive. But there was one case in particular uh, where a young woman had been assaulted in High Park. They they couldn't uh, they were at a dead end in that case. And uh, Crime Stoppers in its early days made an appeal. The uh, the one critical piece of evidence was a tattoo the woman remembered from the attacker, and it was reproduced. And uh, as a result of the appeal being out for that tattoo, an individual was arrested and charged with a, a series of attacks. So that was the critical case where we showed success. Yeah. And, it, you know, when you think about putting out an image of a tattoo and someone identifying it, and, you know, that tattoo links back to an individual. It's always the small thing. And this is where Crime Stoppers plays a key part in in what, you know, it does with, with solving cases. The littlest things that people know and can report can help investigators solve these cases, right? Exactly. And what the investigator didn't, didn't realize was that uh, that little piece of information that he was holding back was the piece of, of the puzzle that the public needed to help. He was, he was holding it back knowing that once he found somebody, uh, he would be able to look for that tattoo and, and see it there. But instead, he had the opportunity for thousands and thousands of eyes to be out. And all the right. people that, with the possibility of seeing that tattoo, the calls came in. And not just one call, we got several calls because uh, this individual was well known. And uh, yeah. and the, the tattoo was easily recognizable and, and people knew it. Uh, so obviously, the investigator learned very quickly that Crime Stoppers was a valuable investigative tool. And uh, he was uh, basically uh, encouraged uh, through the success to be uh, an ardent supporter of Crime Stoppers. There were other cases that uh, occurred. And mm-hmm. a year after the program started in 1985, uh, there was the uh, abduction of Nicole Moran in, right. in Etobicoke. Crime Stoppers immediately got involved, recognizing that uh, this was a, a very, very serious case. The, the uh, abduction of a child is a very rare occurrence. I mean, when you, when you think of uh, all the missing persons that you hear about uh, almost daily, the abduction or uh, the fact that a child goes missing is so rare that Crime Stoppers immediately jumped in. Uh, Gary Grant, who was the coordinator at the time, uh, put out a uh, an immediate reward offer of a thousand dollars, not up to a thousand dollars, but a figure of one thousand dollars for Nicole right. Moran's safe return. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, that captured the attention of the public right away, and everybody was out scouring around trying to find her. I mean, the the the, the key was to get her home safely. Uh, and she had been gone 24 hours at that point. So there was a, a very critical, critical urgency to uh, getting this case resolved. The media were asked to uh, to help as well. Uh, and yeah. uh, huge um, posters were put up on the side of uh, newspaper delivery trucks. The, the boxes on the street uh, carried um, uh, cards that normally would have uh, heralded the, the headlines of the paper. 
they, within 24 hours, had photographs of Nicole Moran and call police if she's seen, get her home safely, and messages like that. Um, right. Sadly, that case has never been resolved. But Crime Stoppers has also never forgotten. And as you're aware, as recently as uh, the last anniversary, the mm-hmm. appeals put out. Right. We do still get calls. And, you know, since I've been involved in Toronto Crime Stoppers, it's been kind of a pet project for myself, too. And and understanding, uh, you know, an officer within the Toronto Police Service was actually Nicole's friend. And, you know, through her time with TPS, you know, she's kind of stayed close to the case and whatnot. And, and you know, try to get involved and make sure that we keep pushing this out uh, on an annual basis. Um, but it brings me back to, you know, when I joined, Cal. And, and I'm not sure if you remember, and I know you're very humble. Um, but it was Cecilia Zhang when she went missing. And I had reached out to... Um, Crime Stoppers, I think it was, and somehow I got a, a hold of you, or if it was, maybe it was Jeff Zammett I reached out to at the time. You know, it was more so when I was at 7-Eleven of, of trying to get her, you know, missing poster in all of my stores across Ontario. And next thing I know, you know, you get this call from Cal Miller saying, hey, why don't you come in and have a meeting? And before I knew it, you had bamboozled me and, and I haven't looked back since I've been involved in Crime Stoppers. So it's funny how, you know, you're right when it comes to a missing child. Uh, how the community reacts and, and, and how important it becomes. Yeah, well, that that's the key. And I mean, you recognized uh, yourself that uh, it was something out of the mm-hmm. ordinary for a child to go missing. And the Cecilia Sang case is, is very important to us because right. uh, it, it was a case where Crime Stoppers mobilized again. But I, if I can just take you back before we go further on this one, going back to Nicole, yeah. what Crime Stoppers did in the uh, Nicole Moran case was uh, encourage involvement of Crime Stopper programs across North America and eventually around the world. So her mm-hmm. her case was then known worldwide. So the eyes and right. ears of everyone in every country that Crime Stoppers operated were made aware that Toronto had a missing a missing children's case that was urgent yeah. to resolve. And eventually, the uh, the reward uh, got up to a uh, Fifty thousand, then a hundred thousand uh, wow. dollars. It was an education for us because uh, the maximum reward for Crime Stoppers at that time was a thousand dollars. When uh, Cecilia Zhang uh, came along, uh, they wanted to uh, immediately put the reward to fifty thousand right. dollars. But Crime Stoppers held fast, and uh, they they decided that their maximum re- reward of a thousand dollars was more appropriate than the large reward because it encouraged someone to come forward completely anonymously sure. to collect the larger reward. A person would have to identify themselves. So right. the value of the program became very apparent when uh, we were able to say our calls are completely anonymous. We don't know who the individual is who's calling and we can pay that reward of a thousand dollars to whoever calls through uh, confidential arrangements, whereas the people that were offering the $50,000 reward would want to know where the money was going and who collected it. So it really gave two different avenues. We had the confidentiality and anonymity of Crime Stoppers or a person coming forward publicly and providing the information. Uh, The other other aspect with the reward was Crime Stoppers would not require a conviction. It was either the return of the girl or the arrest of the individual responsible. 
Whereas the, lar the right. larger reward, and in most reward cases, uh, there has to be a conviction and the person must come forward uh, to collect it and their name made public. Yeah, and testify and all that. And I think that's the, the biggest difference between what Crime Stoppers does. And, you know, it leads me into my, my next question is, you know, we know that people are scared to come forward because of retribution, because their safety or their family or their friend's safety may be involved. And it's always been a challenge to get the message out there that Crime Stoppers, A, is an anonymous no one's ever going to know, and B, that we're not a police program, we're actually a program run by civilians. How, how was that challenge for you when Crime Stoppers first started? Has it changed over time, or has it kind of remained consistent in that that battle has always been there? Well, the, the battle was there right off the bat because investigators wanted to know who the caller was. Uh, and they were anxious, anxious to have that person come into court and give evidence. Mm -hmm. Whereas Crime Stoppers has an absolute guarantee of anonymity, and we're not going to ask the name of the person, and we're not going to require them to come to court. So it was a, a tug yeah. of war between the program and the detectives. It uh, resolved itself in basically success. And For the sure. success came from the very first program. When uh, Greg McAleese was in Albuquerque as a detective, he is the person who originated Crime Stoppers. And he had been thinking, because Albuquerque at the time, Albuquerque, New Mexico, was one of the most crime-ridden communities in the United States in 1976. In the 1970s, right. the mid-1970s, their crime rate was off the chart. Yeah. It, it, was, it wasn't a, a good place to live at all. <laughs> and uh, not a desirable community. I, I mean, you don't want to live in, in a place that's crime-ridden. And he was he was sure. trying to think of a way to uh, encourage people to cooperate with the police because there was a tremendous amount of apathy and people didn't want to get involved and uh, a lot of fear uh, in the community of retribution and everything. So he began thinking of a way to develop a program that would allow the police to get information but not require the citizens to identify themselves. Mm -hmm. He had the the nub of of what would be Crime Stoppers, but in uh, July of uh, 1976, there was a gas bar robbery, and uh, during that heist, the um, the clerk at the gas bar, a uh, young boy, 20, called Michael Carmen, was shot mm -hmm. and killed. And that case is really the catalyst for Crime Stoppers. And detectives don't usually do this, but uh, McAleese... Uh, told his mother that he would find out who was responsible. And, sad, yeah, he made that yeah, and sadly, um, the case became a cold case very quickly because no yeah. one came forward with information. And later on in September, McAleese had the opportunity to uh, actually produce a reenactment on television and put the Crime Stoppers into motion and see how it would work. Now, yeah. he, when he... He's sitting waiting at a phone in his office and trying to uh, really live up to the to the um, commitment that he'd made to the public that he wouldn't ask for names. All he wanted was information and he'd pay a reward. Well, the phone didn't really ring uh, to give any information initially on the uh, on the Michael Carmen case. But uh, he started yeah. getting calls about other cases. Why not? People right? were quite prepared to tell him about sexual assaults that had occurred, robbers that had occurred, just a, 
a myriad of crime. And it wasn't until sort of the early morning hours of while he was waiting, he was almost getting ready to go home, that he received a call about the Michael Carmen case. And a person who thought initially that the shotgun blast was uh, some fireworks display from July was uh, most likely the shotgun blast that killed Michael Carmen. And at the same time, he recognized a car. It was a unique car that sped away, sped past him with two occupants. And he was able to describe the vehicle and describe the occupants in in a general term. And uh, as a result, he developed a rapport with McAleese. And he said, I've seen that car even in my neighborhood. And uh, eventually he located the car and uh, McAleese was able to stake it out. And through investigation, uh, they were able to take two suspects into custody. Now, unlike television, this doesn't occur overnight. The investigation went right. on for weeks until they finally get, gathered yeah. the evidence. But it was success of that case which convinced detectives that Crime Stoppers was valuable. And of course, with the tips on the other cases, it was something that obviously Albuquerque would like to implement and make part of their program with working with the community. Yeah, and it's, it, I mean, it's, it's such a simple idea when you think about it, right? I mean, you know, we'll protect your identity. We'll have a reward for you. Please tell us what you know. And, you know, the success of Crime Stoppers over the years. And again, you know, we, we interviewed Greg uh, a while back. Very humble guy, you know, like yourself. Tells a story. Very knowledgeable with everything that's going on around the world. And, and you know, that's one of the things that for not only yourself, but for Greg, you guys stay connected and you you encourage and you give that constant feedback to the coordinators and board members and encourage people to kind of think outside the box and keep that tradition going um, that has had the success that we've had over the years. You know, what do you think has changed? Like when I say over the years, you know, what has changed from, you know, say 1984 when it started to you know, maybe into the 90s and then where we are now, what is, where has the program had its greatest success and not just taking the tips? I think that, you know, comes by default, but what has the program done and built itself up to to, to today's Well, I think obviously technology has uh, been a great boon to Crime Mm -hmm. Stoppers. Uh, Today, there's there's more than 1,700 Crime Stopper programs around the world. And They're linked with an informal network, which has become the largest crime-solving partnership with police in the world. Now, they also have developed links with uh, Interpol, and they've got a credibility where Crime Stoppers is considered a valuable component of policing. And uh, when you think about how this started, you're looking at Greg Mack with a small desk and a phone, almost like a phone booth, hoping that somebody's going to provide something. Now... Uh, you have uh, programs like New York City where the uh, people in the uh, control center are watching cameras live and can hook into um, crimes almost as they occur. When, when, the, when the 911 right. number rings at the uh, police communication center, the Crime Stoppers people are hooked in uh, looking for cameras in the vicinity that might capture something, and they can provide mm-hmm. information even before it's called in by a tipster, but just right. because of the technology that's available. Uh, now, that's, a, that's an extension of Crime Stoppers that's available in a few areas, but it's horrendous. Right. Uh, London, England, uh, with all the um, 
cameras that they have uh, in the city uh, have been able to track fleeing vehicles, uh, bank robbers that uh, duck into alleyways and try to hide. Uh, there's all, all kinds of things. Right. But basically, when you when you look at Crime Stoppers, going from that broom closet that McAleese was in initially, through the development of the computer, which allowed allowed programs to uh, have direct communication links. I, I remember uh, we called it a web board, which I think they still exist. But we were able to communicate with programs worldwide uh, within a couple of years of Crime Stoppers being mm-hmm. formed. So the technology is great. Um, also, it's it has changed in the sense that um, um, basically getting the tip and investigating the tip is still a, a key component of Crime Stoppers. We've developed into all kinds of other areas where we help the basically the secu- safety and security of communities. We have seniors right. programs where we can uh, help in cases of elder abuse and all sorts of things like that. Uh, we can um, move into areas of uh, dealing with uh, trafficking, human trafficking networks. The, the, right. the crimes now with uh, computers are so sophisticated that um, one person really doesn't know uh, who, who, in fact, is, is the kingpin. But For sure, through yeah. Crime Stoppers, we get so much information, it develops um, an intelligence network so that the single Mm -hmm. tips that come in form a pattern and with the information that's developed you can sort of expand globally and identify a a crime that occurred on one continent uh from another uh there was a case in um in canada where they got a tip regarding uh the exportation of uh, stolen vehicles the follow-up on on that led to uh to israel uh, where it became a, a drug network. These vehicles were being used uh, to raise money for other things, and eventually they found out they were uh, part of a, a large-scale drug trafficking operation, and they took down 11 people. Wow. Now, that came from a single tip regarding a stolen vehicle, which uh, investigators learned yeah. was uh, uh, shipped in a container uh, to uh, Israel. Yeah, and it's it, like we started. I mean, it's always the the unknowns and getting the tip and where it will lead. Cal, what would if you had one message that you could give to the community about Crime Stoppers and the importance of Crime Stoppers? What would that be? Uh, I think the most important thing is people have to maintain confidence in the Crime Stoppers tip line mm-hmm. and provide any information right. that they know because they may be holding the piece to the puzzle and their answer, their information is critical to the investigator. You have something that he doesn't have, mm-hmm. but unless you have confidence that you can give it to him through Crime Stoppers, the system won't work. So have confidence in the tip line. Yeah, and I think you know the confidence needs to be built by individual Crime Stoppers programs and then Crime Stoppers as a, as a global network to show that, that we do protect the tipsters and whatnot, and it's an ongoing battle. But one way that I think people can understand what Crime Stoppers is all about, and I'll give you a bit of a plug here, but you co-authored, you wrote one book and co-authored another book on everything to do about Crime Stoppers. Um, Where can people find those books if they wanted to actually get a little bit more history about Crime Stoppers and get that confidence they need to trust in the program and maybe uh, make that call? the, The books are available on Amazon. Uh, there's also a website, uh, okay. calmiller.com. Uh, Miller's M-I-L-L-A-R. 
easiest is to get it through uh, Amazon. Uh, the, yeah, the books yeah. are uh, What is Crime Stoppers? That was the original book written. And the mm -hmm. second one is Crime Stoppers, The Inside Story. And that was written by Greg Macleese and myself. Now, the interesting thing about book on uh, that I wrote with Greg is we have a photograph of Michael Carmen. And uh, that's the mm -hmm. only photograph uh, in existence of him. Um, he was a uh, student in, in Albuquerque entering uh, the community college, and he hoped to be a police officer. Didn't have a very high profile in the community at all. Worked at a gas station. And uh, uh, sadly, his uh, fame developed uh, as a result of the homicide, which is tremendous. But the bottom line is, he is why Crime Stoppers is successful as it is today. Thanks to, to Greg for you know, not only creating a legacy of Crime Stoppers, but the legacy actually did start with Michael Carmen. And you know, for his family and, and, and friends, and obviously time has passed. Um, you know, that is a pretty good legacy to have all, all that, you know, tragic circumstances. When I'm encouraging people to, to try and reach out and, and, and purchase this book and, and read it, and, and when I say that there's history about it, you know, I read the book, obviously, and I learned stuff. And, you know, one of the things that I learned, and Cal, you know this, right now my professional job is I'm the security manager for Circle K stores in Central Canada, is that when reading the book, if it wasn't for the counterpart doing my role at the time in Albuquerque, New Mexico uh, at Circle K didn't step forward and say, hey, listen, I, I support this and, and we will help fund it and it could help with his robbery problems and so on. Crime Stoppers, as told by Greg, may have never come around because uh, there was that skepticism by, by others and there was a funding model that needed to be produced. And it was the, the gentleman from Circle K who actually st stood up and said, That's hey, right. I support this. And that occurred in a meeting with the Chamber of Commerce. He was a member of the Chamber. Mm -hmm. And a lot of Crime Stoppers programs actually are developed through uh, the assistance of the Chamber because they're, they're the business community in, in most cities. And uh, the Chamber of Commerce was one of the groups that uh, Greg went to to uh, garner support. And while he's sitting in the meeting, he didn't have any knowledge of a uh, gentleman from uh, Circle K, but uh, uh, he sat silently for a while. And then when Greg uh, had finished the presentation and a few other people had spoken, he said, I fully support this, uh, this effort because it will solve crimes that we have in our stores. And again, at that time, yeah. Albuquerque yeah, and was, was being inundated with crimes like robberies. These convenience stores were being hit uh, on a re regular basis. And he recognized the value yeah, yeah. and stood up and not only recognized it, but he, he contributed money to ensure that Crime Stoppers would get off the ground. It's funny because many years later when I got into Crime Stoppers and obviously with my roles in my professional uh, career, obviously, I saw the the importance of Crime Stoppers. And then with some of the things that we've done at Circle K since uh, I've been there the last 15 years. And then when I learn about this, you know, I'm like, well, what a synergy that, uh, you know, these two kind of worlds for myself, if you will, collided and in, in understanding the importance of it. When you mentioned the fact that uh, the gentleman from uh, Circle K had stepped forward in Albuquerque, he also... Mm -hmm. Uh, reached out to uh, people in, in the uh, uh, convenience store security business and developed a network right. through Crime Stoppers of other communities that were setting up programs. And he encouraged the uh, 
uh, security people at convenience stores to get involved with the local Crime Stoppers program because it was so beneficial to their uh, business solving these crimes. Absolutely. And basically, he set up a, a, a solid network where the um, uh, tips were coming in and not only solving uh, robberies in that community, but some of these uh, bandits uh, moved into other cities, neighboring cities, uh, where right. a Crime Stoppers program was. They went somewhere else, but Crime Stopper programs were, were Crime Stoppers was growing in leaps and bounds and uh, basically right. chasing the, the suspects, and they developed quite a network. Uh, now, I just want to remind you that that network reached out after the uh, uh, hurricane in Katrina. Uh, dev devastated the Gulf area, mm -hmm. and they were asked if there was uh, any any people that could provide assistance to the school kids that had been displaced. And I know Toronto and you in particular mm -hmm. uh, stepped up and made arrangements through uh, the school uniform company in Etobicoke, and Toronto sent down mm -hmm. the largest shipment of relief supplies to uh, the school children in Baton Rouge who were. Uh, evacuated to Baton Rouge, and I know they were extremely helpful for it, but that was arranged through that network that originated at the first meeting where Greg was trying to uh, develop Crime Stoppers. It was a simple email I got from a colleague when I was at 7-Eleven, uh, a guy by the name of Rick Fernandez. It was basically, you know, Rick was from New Orleans area. His sister was still there, a school teacher in Baton Rouge, and it was more of a Hey, you know, it's well, you know, my family's doing okay. You kind of read it and go like, wow, what can I really do for this guy? I feel so bad for him. And then you kind of delete the email and, you know, you move on because it doesn't affect you. You're not down there. And it was something he said in the email about anybody has used uniform clothing for schools, please, if you could send it down. And I remember we had just met Martin McCarthy from McCarthy's Uniforms. And, you know, I took a chance and obviously, you know, leaning into you, Cal, for, for your expertise and, and contacts and, you know, went to see Martin and it was basically, uh, you know, hey, you know, expecting a couple of shirts and some some socks or whatever. And I remember he brought me into the warehouse after pitched the story to him and he was like, you could have all this. And then I went into panic mode and I had some anxiety and I was like, okay, well, how do I get that down to Baton Rouge? And we uh, brainstormed and put our, our uh, thinking caps on and we approached the Ontario Trucking Association and sure enough, you know, they said, yeah, absolutely. We'll give you a truck and we'll send it down there for free. And, and you know, I remember looking at myself going, how does this happen? Right. And, and I remember I went down there to make sure that the truck had made it and helped on unload it with the uh, recruits from Baton Rouge police and the Baton Rouge crime stoppers folks were down there. And I got to tell you, Cal, it was one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done. It was very, you know, humbling to, to be down there and seeing the impact that we had made for something that we started in Toronto, Canada, and, and with the network that you talk about, got this stuff down there for these kids, and they were smiling and happy, and and you're looking around going, you guys are still living in devastation, why are you so happy? Mm -hmm. and it was just mm -hmm. a simple, you know, things of humanity that, that changed that. So, you know, thanks for bringing that up, and it's it, you are right. I mean, well, there the, is a the network bottom, out there, and um, I think we yeah, The bottom line, though, that's an extension of what Crime Stoppers does. We're not just... Yeah. For solving sure. crime, we're improving the safety and security of the community. And, and I mean, that looked after uh, yeah. the, the children who had been evacuated to Baton Rouge because they were basically just in the clothing they had on their back. And uh, 
the, the drug dealers yeah. were moving into yeah. the schools at the time and, and trying to encourage some of those kids who had nothing to come and uh, help them traffic drugs. Uh, so they wanted uniforms to make sure that they knew who the kids were that were supposed to be in the school. And they were able to identify them yeah. and keep out the intruders who were there to uh, basically create crime. So yeah. it, it, it had lots of benefits, a huge amount. Yeah, it's, it, oh, for sure. And it, it, like you said, it, it just looks at the the extension of what Crime Stoppers does. And we are truly a community safety, community engagement um, program. So, Cal, um, you know, thank you for coming on the podcast. And, you know, it is uh, January. It's Crime Stoppers Month. And uh, just yesterday, we launched our Crime Stoppers Month uh, in Toronto for 2021. And, you know, we wanted to make sure that we had you on our first podcast in, in a new year. And, and hopefully, you know, we get past this pandemic and, and are able to get to our grassroots ways. But, uh, Cal, thank you once again. No, thank for, you very for much, Sean. I really appreciate it. And I, I, I like talking about Crime Stoppers because uh, it is so beneficial. Uh, to communities worldwide. All right, Cal, until the next time, be safe. Uh, say hi to Penny Thank and you, family. Appreciate we'll it. talk soon. Always good to catch up with my friend Cal Miller, um, you know, a legend of Crime Stoppers and, you know, one of the instrumental uh, people in in my career of, of getting on to Crime Stoppers and, and navigating you know, over the years through everything Crime Stoppers related and a great mentor and great friend. So always good to catch up with Cal uh, to hear some of the old stories. As we transition now into our Crime Stoppers month launch uh, that was held on January the 6th to make it official for 2021 in uh, talking a little bit about uh, what we've done in 2020 and some of the challenges that we needed to do to overcome the COVID-19 pandemic related to the regulations and restrictions that were in place. And then, you know, some of the things that we're going to be doing in 2021 uh, to make sure that uh, we stay relevant and, you know, do what we need to do to help stop crime and make the city of Toronto a safer place. So with that, we're going to turn it over to the actual media launch uh, that we did um, at police headquarters. Good morning. In this time of uncertainty, it was not a foregone conclusion that this day would happen. But nonetheless, here we are. We did not know what manner this would unfold, but uh, due to COVID-19 restrictions, we are doing this internally and without the fanfare of having attendance of the media directly or those who have supported us in the community being with us. So on the behalf of the Toronto Crime Stoppers, the Toronto Police Service, the Unit Commander of Partnership and Engagement Unit, Superintendent Stacey Clark, our Deputy Chief, Peter Ewan, I extend our hearty welcome to all that are in attendance via any social media platform. Personal attendance, as I mentioned, has been limited due to COVID-19 restrictions. I bring thanks to our community partners, as well as our most cherished stakeholders, the community at large. We thank Crime Stoppers Board of Directors, the media without without whom this would not be possible. The Toronto Police Service, 
one of the main components of the Torma Crime Stoppers program. And in that vein, I would like to bring to the podium, or he's already sitting here, the Toronto Police Services Chief, Chief James Raymer. Thank you to everyone for coming today to celebrate another successful year for our Toronto Crime Stoppers. Toronto Crime Stoppers is a partnership between the police, the community, and the media, which enables concerned members of the public to anonymously provide information on the identity of a criminal or incidents of criminal activity. Crime Stoppers is a not-for-profit community-based organization operated by volunteers and I want to personally thank them for their continued dedication in helping us find those responsible for often violent and dangerous crimes. In 2020 alone, Toronto Crime Stoppers received more than 7,100 tips resulting in 67 individuals arrested, 250 charges laid, 145,000 in property seized, and over $2.1 million in legal drugs taken off our streets. Illegal drugs. Tips from the community can play a critical role in solving homicides, armed robberies, and human trafficking investigations, as well as removing illegal firearms from our streets. Crime Stoppers doesn't just collect tips. They are heavily engaged in the community, creating awareness. They are in our schools, educating and speaking directly to Toronto's young people, and host an educational school symposium that over 700 students attend from across the city. A partnership with the Bolo campaign last year in particular led to the apprehension of Tequan Robertson, who you will recall was wanted for the shooting of two young girls in a playground, as well as the arrest of Alexander Fountain, who was sought for a fatal shooting in 2017. And the Toronto Crime Stoppers work does not stop there. They have also created their podcast, Crime Stoppers, See It, Say It, Stop It, to continue to stay connected with communities. It is not surprising to hear they also received several provincial awards and a global award from Crime Stoppers International. As we begin the new year, the theme for Crime Stoppers in 2021 remains focused around the community, reward program, and their new slogan, See It, Say It, Stop It. Doing the right thing is its own reward. On behalf of the service, I want to thank Crime Stoppers for their partnership, which has helped solve cases and continues to support our efforts in protecting the public and keeping our community safe. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chief Raymer. Before I introduce the next speaker, I would be remiss if I did not recognize two individuals whom have been stalwart within the Toronto Police Service as members of the Crime Stoppers family. Daniela Lipa has worked diligently behind the scenes with her hard work going mostly unrecognized. The brilliance of Police Constable Martin Douglas has been on display for many years, even in circumstances wherein the benefactors has had no clue who the genius behind the product is or was. Now for our next speaker. Since joining the Crime Stoppers family, I've gotten to know this person very profoundly. His tireless commitment and is infectious and admirable. Please welcome the chair of the Toronto Crime Stoppers program, my brother, Sean Sporton. Thank you, Detective Ferguson, and uh, thank you, Chief Raymer, for attending today. We appreciate your continued support. I would like to start by extending our sincere appreciation to the members of the Toronto Police Service, all of our first responders, healthcare professionals, and essential frontline workers for your commitment, dedication, and resilience during the pandemic. On behalf of the Toronto Crime Stoppers Board of Directors, welcome to the 2021 Crime Stoppers Month launch, which is celebrated annually during the month of January around the world. 
Crime Stoppers is a unique partnership between the police, media, and community that provides concerned citizens an avenue to anonymously provide information on the identity of a criminal or incident of criminal activity. 2020 has been a complex and challenging time. Like most, we were forced to adapt to the environment and make a shift in how we operated to maintain community engagement. Our commitment to community safety with a focus on crime prevention, as always, remain the priority to the foundation of what we do at Crime Stoppers. And our collective hard work continues to have an impact on helping combat criminal activity in the City of Toronto. As we look back on 2020, a number of highlights need to be mentioned. In March, as the COVID-19 pandemic restrictions were implemented and our grassroots face-to-face -face engagement was constrained, we needed an avenue to stay connected to the community with authentic, meaningful, and informed discussion. As such, as the Chief said, we launched our podcast called Crime Stoppers, See It, Say It, Stop It. After 16 episodes, our podcast has been a great success, being heard in 23 countries around the world and can be found on all podcast platforms. Our ongoing partnership with the BOLO program continue, continues to be successful in assisting investigators, as seen this past July with the arrest of Tequan Robertson and Alexander Fountain suspects on Canada's most wanted list for murder and attempted murder. In October, at both the Ontario Association of Crime Stoppers and International Crime Stoppers virtual award ceremonies, Toronto Crime Stoppers received several awards in the population over 3 million category. At the provincial level, awards included Best Print Feature, Best Radio Feature, Best Special Project, and Best Student Engagement for our school symposium. The global award from Crime Stoppers International was for Best Television Feature. And lastly, our statistics from the past year reinforce the direction our program has taken by removing individual reward payouts and replacing them with a program that channels our funding efforts back into the communities we serve across Toronto through our community reward program. We have several community reward pro uh, proposals pending. However, COVID-19 restrictions have prevented us in completing these projects. That said, we have once again sponsored the Toronto Crime Stoppers School, award, School Sponsorship or Scholarship Award with Humber College. The scholarship award is presented to a student entering their second year of the Protection Security Investigation Program who demonstrates aptitude in the area of safety and crime prevention, displays positive leadership skills, and through their actions encourages others to reciprocate positive energy in their school community. As we look forward to 2021, Toronto Crime Stoppers will continue to find creative ways to generate awareness and stay connected to the community. A few projects currently in progress are our Hoodies for the Homeless initiative with our partners from MoMines, which we anticipate deploying later this month. Again, we are also finalizing a, uh, the production of the second edition of Captain Canuck Crime Stoppers comic book, thanks to the team at Chapter House Publishing. Today, ready to roll out as part of our continued effort to bring awareness to our youth, we have produced educational public service videos to be utilized in both the physical and virtual classroom for secondary students. The videos are intended to draw attention to the seriousness of bullying and to educate students on the role Crime Stoppers plays in helping all communities stay safe, including their own school community. These educational videos are proudly supported by Petro Canada, who funded the project. I will conclude by reminding everyone that community safety is a shared responsibility. We must all work together with a collaborative goal to make a difference in the prevention of crime while enhancing the overall safety of our community. Toronto Crime Stoppers is committed, committed to our efforts to mobilize the community to see it, say it, stop it for a safer Toronto. Doing the right thing truly is its own reward. Remember, you remain anonymous, criminals don't. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sean.
Now the chief will be available to field any questions. Sean and myself will be available to field any questions related to Crime Stoppers. Momin Qureshi, 680 News, please proceed with your question. Yes, good morning. Um, I just wanted to ask, uh, I know last year Crime Stoppers made some significant changes in terms of uh, no longer offering rewards because you found people weren't picking them up and diverting that money to community programs. And I wanted to know if you have any statistics that uh, show uh, what kind of impact that had uh, negatively or positively, or if le at least you could express to me uh, what you saw in terms of how that affected, uh, if it had any effect at all, on the way people called in tips and the way the program worked. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, Sean Spore, and I'll answer that question. So when we compare 2019 statistics to 2020, uh, and, and especially going through a pandemic, we were only 81 tips behind where we were last year. So we are uh, you know, pretty much on par as to the numbers that we were receiving um, compared to 2019. Uh, our hope is that as soon as we are able to come out of the restrictions that the pandemic has, and we're able to do grassroots community engagement, we will see an impact uh, in growth for the stats that, that we're seeing. Great. Uh, and Chief, I was wondering if you could uh, just add a little bit to that in terms of when the change was made, uh, there are some people questioning as to whether it would have a positive or negative impact, but what's your uh, response to uh, how things have worked out with, without the reward program and the way Crime Stoppers has been working? Actually, I, I, th I think it's, it's, it had, continues to be very, very successful. I mean, even from a community input standpoint, when we examined it, uh, most of the community uh, supported the fact that uh, at least over 50% of them that there wasn't a need for a reward. And so I think uh, the addition, uh, the direction that it's towards communities rather than indiv individuals is an important step and I think it's a good step. Thank you. Are there any further questions from media? Yep. Jen Hyatt says, Steve Ryan from CP24. I've got a couple of quick questions if that's okay. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, Chief, this is for you, sir. The Crime Stoppers program is uh, very effective, um, but there's still people out there who think that their identity can be made known um, either through the courts or any other sort of procedures. Can you guarantee people or address that issue with regards to the anonymity of a person from Crime Stoppers? Will their identity ever be made known? Yeah, no, no, it will not. They are protected. Uh, we do not know who the callers are when they call in. And in fact, the courts do offer protection as well to protect their identity and, and so that they remain anonymous. I, I think even Sean perhaps could even be more particular in terms of exactly how they're operating. But you're right, Steve, they, they, uh, we do not identify the tipster. And my, my last question may sound a little bit silly, but uh, with regards to uh, the restrictions on uh, the lockdowns in the city and things, have you found that people have been calling Crime Stoppers with regards to reporting those in breach of those uh, conditions? And uh, would you encourage that or discourage that? Um, actually, maybe Sean, are you better able to answer that? Yeah, I, I, can, I can answer that question. Yes, we have received tips on uh, violations related to the uh, restrictions that have been put in place, um, as we do with, with all crimes and all um, things that concern the community members. You know, answering the question of, you know, would we encourage that or not, my answer to that would be if, if somebody is concerned in the community about something they're seeing uh, related to some sort of a crime or bylaw violation or so on, they should call in. You know, I think as a community, we need to work together to get past the current situation we're in. So, you know, I think we all need to play a part in, you know, keeping the city safe all the way around. 
Thank you. I'd just like to add a little bit to what Sean um, just said in regards to that. If it's an absolute must, that is okay to call, but in certain circumstances, we're directing them, if they're in the Toronto area, to call 311 to report that, because then it's immediate response to some extent, or go on the website and um, do that in that regards on the website, rather than um, Crime Stoppers, unless it's uh, you know a must. But other than that, there's other avenues you know, that they can utilize to report that to have um, substantial or beneficial results. Moment Kureshi, 680 News. Please proceed with your follow-up question. Uh, thank you. I just wanted to ask, um, you've given some uh, details on crime, on crime Stoppers working, but I was wondering, I think you mentioned Taquan Roberts. Uh, I wonder if you could maybe mention some specific cases, maybe some high-profile cases, uh, where Crime Stoppers has come through and aided in, in an arrest or a conviction? Well, unfortunately, we're not going to do to like specific cases that we've already released because sometimes to go forward and have specific cases and details, that may expose a tipster that we're not willing to do. So we can only divulge certain information on a broad spectrum, but not specific details. Thank you. Thank you very much. Since there's no more questions, we're going to thank everyone for coming. And um, Sean and I might be outside if there's anybody in waiting there to have one-on-one -on -one questions. Thank you very much. As we conclude, I'd like to remind everyone that community safety is a shared responsibility. See it, say it, stop it. Remember, you remain anonymous, criminals don't. For more information, please visit us at 222tips.com and follow us on social media. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to stay connected and join the conversation. Please share our podcast, and if you have any questions, comments, or show ideas, please email us at crimestopperspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time, be safe.